0: The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you Know Your Bible. Good morning. Welcome to Know Your Bible. glad you're back this week as we try to answer some more of your questions on Know Your Bible. And that's what we do here. The goal is to get people interested in Bible study and understand their Bible better. And we found the best way to do that is just answer questions. Uh, A lot of folks on TV tell you what they think you ought to know about the Bible. Uh, We kind of change things around and let you tell us what you'd like to know about the Bible. So uh, we'll answer any question we can. Uh, There's a few questions that uh, we can't find an answer in the Bible. The Bible just doesn't talk about some things, but it talks about all the important things. And it talks about a whole lot of things that uh, we need to know about in life. So we get all kinds of questions, detailed uh, questions about a verse or a topic or a doctrine. And we get a lot of life questions where folks just want to know how to live life the way God recommended. And we're happy to look for those kind of answers in uh, the Bible and share them with you. So that's the way we do. We've got a phone number and a uh, website on the screen. Use those anytime to get in touch with us let us know what you would like, like us to talk about on Know Your Bible. Introduce my partner here, Toby Levering's back. Good morning, Toby. Good morning, Steve. Glad you are here and ready to go. And uh, we got a question for our viewers first, and then I think you get the first one today. Yes, so, uh, trivia question for our viewers, a fellow in the Old Testament was cured from leprosy. Uh, the prophet told him to go dip seven times in the Jordan River. And if you know the story, you know he didn't like that answer. He didn't want to do that, but he did it, and he was cured. So we'll give you the name of that fellow at the end of the program. See if you and your family know what that is. Toby, you got question number one, so get us going.
1: Yeah, it's a question about divorce, and we get those from time to time. And this person asked a question as to how we usually answer those questions. Uh, When you talk about divorce, why do you always refer to Jesus' debate about Jewish law instead of referring to 1 Corinthians 7 about Christian divorce? Uh, Well, first I'll start by saying we don't believe that uh, Matthew chapter 19 or 1 Corinthians chapter 7 are inconsistent with each other, that uh, we don't believe you've got to pick one or the other. Uh, In this program, our endeavor is to give you biblical information in a very small uh, gap of time so that we can answer as many questions as possible. when we get a question on marriage and divorce, we're usually just getting one side of it. And for that matter, sometimes we don't even know the status of the person asking the question. And so uh, to to avoid kind of get back to the real purpose of God's design for marriage, we usually quote Matthew 19 where Jesus quotes Genesis and he says, haven't you read it at the beginning? God made them male and female. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, Jesus is just uh, emphasizing as uh, they were debating over when was okay to divorce and when was not okay to divorce. And Jesus said, it wasn't this way from the beginning. This is not what God intended. And uh, so I understand what you're asking, First Corinthians chapter 7. Paul there is addressing the church at Corinth, and he gets into the weeds a little bit in terms of to the single people and to the widows and to the unmarried and to those who have separated and so forth. And I think that's good advice. We also need to note that First Corinthians has um, some some times where he says, this is God speaking and not Paul. And then he has times where he says, this is Paul speaking. This isn't a a command from God, but this is just Paul's good counsel. And so it's helpful to read those things. And uh, I would advise any of our Readers, if they have questions, turn to either Matthew 19 or 1 Corinthians 7, and you'll be fine. Matthew chapter 19 spells out God's original plan for marriage, and 1 Corinthians chapter 7, in my opinion, uh, spells out how to handle specific situations where uh, and, and for specific people. And you know, sin messes things up. That's just the fact of living in a broken world. And Paul addresses in these situations where you've got the marriage, you've got the divorced and uns separated, or, uh, separated and, and single and so forth, that these are how to go about your walk. So First uh, Corinthians 7 is fine, uh, just make sure that you take all of it together. The main idea is that regardless of uh, your marital status, your devotion should be to the Lord, and that's what we want to get to. So I hope that helps you understand, but we don't disagree with either scripture.
0: All right, I think you made a good point there, Toby, but the difference between the general principle and getting down into the specifics. And not that they contradict each other, but uh, some folks stay up at the top level and say, well, God said never he hates divorce and never supposed to happen and and we won't allow it for anybody. But Paul had lived in Corinth. He knew those people. He knew the messes that they were in since Mm -hmm. they came out of the pagan world. And uh, sitting down with somebody that had come from pagan worship and had been married five times and and all that uh, is different. I mean, you can start there and say, well, God doesn't like divorce, (laughs) but what do we do now? And that's what Paul was dealing with. He was in real situations where uh, and he knew the folks, he had lived there with them for a while. So, And I uh, think
1: that's very helpful, especially from a ministry perspective. You know people when they come to us for counseling when we're, we've got more time yep. uh, than on a television program where you yep. know, we can't. here
0: we'll give you the general principles. Exactly. Is, uh, what, what God says and that's the best way to go. Right, exactly. <laughs> Always. Alright, viewer wants to know about his calling, how, how would I know my calling? I've heard there are tests you can take. Well, there are aptitude tests and things like that. I'm not exactly sure what our viewer uh, wants to know here uh, because of how we use the word calling. Uh, Early Christians and, well, for quite a while in history, uh, calling was taken to mean our our vocation. In fact, that's what the word comes from, the Latin uh, voc, uh, vocation. And... Christians saw that as whatever they were doing was what God wanted them to do well at. If they were a blacksmith or a carpenter or a farmer or whatever, that was what God had called them to do and they were supposed to do it for the glory of God. And that's what the New Testament talks about a lot is whatever you do, uh, do it like you're serving the Lord. Uh, Do the best job you can, earn the respect of your co-workers, and uh, obey your boss even if he's a bad boss. Uh, so, in that sense, it's our Christian calling. Now, uh, I'm not sure what our viewer means here. If that's what he's talking about, then whatever job you're in, do it well. Uh, serve the Lord. Think about it that way. Please Be pleasing and, and do the best job you can and be the best worker that company has, and that'll be your calling. Now, if you're in the wrong place, Uh, God will close some doors and open some doors and he'll get you to a better place perhaps. Uh, But just do the best you can at where you are. Now as far as tests, uh, there are aptitude tests that tell you what your skills are. Uh, And usually we're best when we're doing things that we're good at. Uh, So somebody that has absolutely no people skills uh, probably shouldn't be a salesman. Uh, Kind of find out what your skills are. If you're highly mechanical, Uh, Aptitude, very good with mechanical things. Maybe you ought to be an auto mechanic or something like that. So there's tests in that sense that will tell you what your basic abilities, basic skills are, and you can direct toward that. Uh, But you'll find that out by default. Uh, Just try a lot of things, and you'll find out what you like and what you're good at and probably don't even need to test. You'll uh, gravitate to it, but uh, whatever you do. The Bible talks about. The Bible doesn't talk about one specific calling. It just says do well at whatever you're in. Even if you're a slave. And the slaves were not in what they had picked or taken a test for. <laughs> they were doing whatever the Master told them to do. Uh, and Paul said do good at it. Do well. Work hard at it. and uh, Serve the Lord. So hope that helps our viewer that's looking for a calling.
1: Okay. Uh, the next question a viewer wants to know uh, what is where... Precisely is a good definition of sin, and I appreciate that they want to know from the Bible uh, exactly uh, what sin is and how it's defined. So let's look just directly at uh, a couple of verses. First John chapter three verse four says, "Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. Uh, laws are, could have been, uh, in this <coughs> instance, is talking about the the Jewish law and the authority and the the rules that God had established uh, under the Mosaic Covenant, and uh, any person who broke that law, any one of those 600 plus commands, by some counts, was was committing sin. First John chapter 5 verse 17, uh, he opens it up even more and and says all wrongdoing is sin. Uh, that that the law, uh, as Paul will say in Romans, it was is is written on our hearts. And so we have this understanding that it's not now just limited to a set of of these commands and so forth, although those do well define a lot of what's sin and what's not, but all wrongdoing uh, is sin. And we have ways of... Classifying that and saying some sins are bigger than others, but all sin is sin, and all sin as romans three twenty three separates us from God, so first John chapter three and first John chapter five, a couple of good biblical definitions on what sin is.
0: Well, thank you we'll take this moment and uh, talk about a good way to study the Bible, uh, we obviously enjoy answering a few questions each week and uh, If we stayed at it for 100 years, we'd never get the Bible covered, so there's too much in the Bible. So we advocate home Bible study, and we've got some free study materials that we're happy to send you, uh, some great courses that will lead you through the Bible, help you understand your Bible, uh, whatever level of knowledge you're at now. We've had some old-time Bible students that uh, sign up for this and tell us how much it helped them remember some things and how it clarified some things. Or if you're a brand new rookie Bible student that uh, doesn't know Genesis from Revelation but you'd like to, uh, this is a good way to get a good jump start on that. Uh, You see the first couple of lessons there on this first course, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, That's some real basic things you need to know. You need to know the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, what's in them, why they were written, who wrote them, uh, all of that. And that's where this course starts. Once you understand that, Uh, You can go on to more uh, topics in this course, and then once you're through with this eight-lesson course, uh, we've got some more advanced courses that you can really learn a lot about the Bible, and we'd be happy to provide them to you absolutely free of charge, uh, not even any postage costs. So free to you just to dial that phone number or log on to the website and tell us you'd like that free course. We'll get it started for you. All right, I got a question about the Holy Spirit. The uh, reviewer says, What does the Bible mean when it says a man must be baptized by the Holy Spirit to enter the kingdom? Well, we'll start with the correction here. The Bible doesn't say that. Uh, and I admit it's a little bit confusing if you're not paying real close attention to the, uh, the verbs there on what he's talking about. But, Let's back up and see if we can get this straight. First of all, uh, Holy Spirit baptism, being baptized by the Holy Spirit, uh, there were only a few people that were commanded to do that. Uh, It was the apostles. It was a one-time act, and it happened on the day of Pentecost. Now, let's look at a scripture where Jesus told the apostles about this being baptized by the Holy Spirit. Let's go to Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Jesus is talking to the apostles after his resurrection. And it says, He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. All right, that's a one-time event, one-time command. He told the apostles to don't leave Jerusalem because something's going to happen here. It happened on the day of Pentecost. There was a a miraculous roar of wind. It doesn't say there was a wind, but there was sound of wind. Uh, Tongues of fire came down. The apostles themselves, just those twelve. Received the gift of the Holy Spirit the baptism of the Holy Spirit they were empowered to do things they spoke in other languages they could do miracles from that day forward Uh, it was a one time thing you read the rest of Acts and it just repeatedly says the apostles did this the apostles did miracles the apostles uh, performed these signs and wonders that was Holy Spirit baptism what was that That what that was all about From then on, nobody was told that they had to be baptized by the Holy Spirit to go to heaven, which is what our viewers said. Anybody that asked throughout the whole book of Acts, what do I have to do? What do I need to do to be saved? What do I need to do to go to heaven? The answer was always the same. Repent and be baptized, immersed in water. Not Holy Spirit baptism, but water baptism. Repent and be baptized and your sins will be forgiven. I mean, In fact, it happened that day, in fact. After the twelve were baptized by the Holy Spirit and received those special powers, the people there in the crowd knew this was from God, so they said, well, what do we do? And Peter told them in Acts 2.38, you repent, you be baptized, your sins will be forgiven. So that's how you get to heaven, if you want to use those kind of terms. That's how you become a Christian, become part of Christ, have your sins forgiven. Now, let's go back where this viewer probably got this idea. I'm going to guess he was reading in John chapter 3 where Nicodemus came to Jesus and Nicodemus wanted to know how to get to heaven. And he came at night because he was afraid the other Jews would see him. And he came to Jesus and asked about the how you get to heaven, basically. And Jesus gave him a kind of strange answer. He said, you have to be born again. And that confused Nicodemus. He said, how can you do that? You know, And he was thinking physically. He said, how do you go back to your mother's womb? He said, that's impossible. And so Jesus explained to him what he was talking about. And this is where our viewer get, got a little confused. Uh, You read all of John 3, and you'll see the whole story, but I'm just going to read two verses with you, verses 5 and 6. Let's look at those. Jesus was explaining to Nicodemus what he meant, and he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now leave it up there a minute. That which is born of flesh is flesh. So when your mother had you in your womb, she was flesh. You were born, you're flesh. Now I'm telling you, you've got to be born again. And the spirit has to give you birth. And unless you're born of water, immersed in water, water baptism, and the spirit, you can't enter the kingdom of God. So I think that's where our viewer got that that question there. Uh, The Spirit gives birth to Spirit. He gives us a new Spirit when we do our part. Our part is to be immersed in water. His part is to give us a new Spirit within. Okay, Now, that's not Holy Spirit baptism because we don't receive the gifts and the powers and the tongues and all that that the apostles did, the one-time event. But the Spirit gives life to Spirit. So, we get born again. Why do we need a new spirit? Because we're dead in sin. And that's a whole other topic. But uh, hopefully that explains it. We don't need to be baptized by the Holy Spirit or in the Holy Spirit. Uh, The Spirit needs to give us new life inside at baptism. And that's what uh, Jesus was trying to explain to Nicodemus. So, big question. We could talk about that for a half hour, which I almost did. But uh, <laughs> I'll quit for now and we'll uh, we'll clear it up more later if we need to. All right, Toby, take the next one. Well,
1: I, I appreciate that you did that. Holy Spirit is a big topic and you clarified it well. Next question is, if, if you are cremated, uh, what happens at the resurrection when Christ returns? we get this uh, question from time to time. And the issue uh, that people or folks tend to think of is kind of what Steve was just referring to about the, the, the flesh versus the spirit. And people think, well, when I die, then my body is awaiting uh, the resurrection of the dead. Uh, the scripture tells us that those who are in Christ, when Jesus returns, the dead in Christ shall rise first and so physically logically thinking we think well you know my i need to have my body intact but and so some for that reason some people have a problem with cremation they think well you just can't do that uh there is is nothing wrong with crea- uh, cremation <laughs> uh cremation only speeds up the process but if there's a body in the ground that was put in the ground and in, in uh, uh Medieval times or or the early centuries, uh, those bodies are are basically ashes. Uh, they just, you know, the the result is the same effect, and just cremation does that much more quickly. Uh, so when the resurrection happens, and I don't know how this is going to happen, but we know that it will happen. We trust that it will. Uh, the The resurrection body is going to be different. Um, the cre- cremation, anything that happens, maybe. Uh, in our death has to do with the physical body. Uh, Think outside the box of just the topic of cremation. We talk about what about uh, people that die in explosions tragically or uh, uh, things happen and, and the body disappears. We don't know where it went. Um, God's going to work all that out, and it, it, I'm basically going to say what happens to the physical body isn't going to make any uh, bearing, have any bearing on what happens to the resurrection body. So cremation as a subject is a personal choice. We always tell you to talk it over with your family, make sure they all understand your wishes, but it's neither condoned nor prohibited in the Bible. Uh, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 42 and following so will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. I <coughs> declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. So, if you have concerns about that, you need not have concerns. Uh, Christ is going to work all of that out when we raise our spiritual bodies.
0: Okay. Uh, <coughs> speaking of bodies, that's what the next question is about. And our viewers, I think they've got a few stories kind of jumbled here. So let's see if we can sort them out. (laughs) Uh, The question is, Please explain about Enoch, Elijah, and Moses not finding bodies. All right. Now, I'm going to give you the three stories very quickly, just the highlights in three verses. And then we'll go back and see if we can kind of unjumble what our viewers are asking about here. All right. They're all three together. Genesis 5.24 talks about a man named Enoch and it says Enoch walked with God and was not for God took him. As far as we know what that means is and that's all we're told so we don't know anything else. All we know is Enoch was such a good man and walked with God so closely that one day God just took him to heaven. Uh, Didn't have to die, didn't have to be buried, nothing else, just went to heaven. Second Kings 2.11 Elijah, another famous man, says he went up by a whirlwind into heaven, he was walking, and all of a sudden there was there was a chariot of fire and other stuff that was showing up, but a whirlwind just took him up into heaven once again that's all we know about it, so best we know he didn't have to die. he just went to heaven and then in deuteronomy thirty four six it talks about Moses, and it says, the Lord buried Moses, he took him up on a mountain, let him see the promised land, and then Moses died, and God himself buried him. But no one knows the place of his burial to this day. We don't know where he was buried. Nobody ever found it. Now, uh, all I can say about those is those are three very unique end-of-life experiences. Uh, But we don't know any details about them. Uh, Enoch and Elijah seem to have just gone straight to heaven. Moses got buried by God, and nobody ever found his body. Now maybe our viewer has heard parts of those stories and uh, I guess if Enoch and Elijah did go to Heaven like that, and nobody ever found their body, <laughs> probably. Don't know what God did with it because He took them as a spirit. Uh, but those are the facts we know. Can't explain anything more about it because the Bible doesn't say anything more about it. Uh, so hopefully that clears it up for our viewer and it wasn't that they didn't find their bodies, they just had very unique end of life experiences. All right, let me take just a moment and invite you to visit the Church of Christ near you. Uh, we like to mention a few each week that help keep us on the air and uh, I'd like to mention three of them this week in Kansas, uh, uh, Isabel, uh, Kansas, Central Kansas, Kingman, and mead. They're all three fine congregations of the Church of Christ, folks that believe uh, we're doing some good with this program and helping people learn their Bible and they help keep us on the air and we appreciate it. Uh, If you live in one of those communities or maybe you're traveling through on a Sunday or uh, out near one of them pheasant hunting or something like that, uh, drop in on a Sunday and tell them you appreciate them keeping us on the air. and uh, We want to give them our thanks also. Any uh, uh, broadcast area you live in, you can probably find a Church of Christ close to you. Uh, Drop in and visit. If you're searching for a church home, you'd be warmly welcomed at any of them. Toby, why don't you try one more here? Okay.
1: Uh viewer has a question about little children. Jesus asked little children to come to Him. Does that mean they have to be baptized? Okay, well, I think uh, this is an s- instance where we're looking at a, a, a part of Jesus' life and maybe trying to apply everything from it uh, to us today. And I, I don't. I, we're reading too much into it. Let's look at Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16, where we find this story. People were bringing little children to Jesus for Him to place His hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus saw this. When Jesus saw this, He was indignant. He said, "Let the little children come to Me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom belongs to the to those such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will not enter it." And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Uh, I, you know, the the story really explains itself. Jesus was very popular. Crowds of people. Uh, And not unlike today, you get a popular figure and people bring their children along and they hope that their children get the opportunity to meet this famous person. And the disciples uh, were saying, you know, come, come on, we don't have time for that. Jesus is an important guy. He has big things to do. And Jesus says, no, 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 bring the children to me. This tells us a couple of things. First, Jesus Jesus was just a good guy beyond being sinless. He was a people person, and He loved little children, and that's a wonderful thing, and that should be an attitude of all disciples. And number two, He went on to say that the hearts of children, their ability to believe, their ability to trust, to have faith. These are wonderful attributes of children that should be uh, in place among all disciples. So uh, I think it's uh, some good characteristics that we should strive for in Christ, uh, but He's not teaching salvation principles here. Children are innocent until they become aware of their sin and the consequences. And once that happens, of course they still need to come to Christ, um, but that usually happens much later down the road. He's not talking salvation principles here.
0: All right. Thank you, Toby. those good answers and thank you viewers for the uh, good questions that you give us. You keep us busy with uh, trying to find answers to new ones all the time and uh, even as long as we've been on we still get great new questions. We appreciate that. Today would be a good day to sign up for that correspondence course. If you haven't signed up for it yet, I meet people all the time that say I'm going to get that course someday but I just haven't gotten around to it. Today would be a good day to do it. Our operators will be around and the answering machine will be on the rest of the time. You can get it any time you want. Uh, we're going to try to answer your trivia questions today and then we'll be done for the day. Uh, who was cured of leprosy by dipping seven times in the Jordan River? Uh, well, that famous fellow's name was Naaman. He didn't like the idea but he finally did it and he was healed just like the prophet told him. Hope you're back with us next week. Until then, you have a great week. <laughs>